Welcome to the Hustlers Manifesto podcast. We jailbreak from toxic hustle culture. We take Hustler back from the belief that bigger is better, security is contingent on compliance, and freedom is reserved for the powerful. I'm your host, Sarah Duran. I'm not here to tell you how to make a quick buck. I'm here to change the way work is done so we can live more meaningful lives right now instead of betting on an uncertain future. If you value this content, please rate it and comment on this podcast wherever you get it. Thanks for being part of the movement. Hi, Sheila. Hi, Sarah. How are Great you? Great to be here. <laughs> I'm so glad to have you here. Um, Me too. So how long ago was it that I was on your podcast? Six, four months, six months. I can't even remember how long. Yeah, I it's been it's been quite a while, but we've kept in touch. So yes. I don't really feel like we're far. I don't either. <laughs> I feel like you can tell from that podcast episode that we were like, oh yeah, we like each other. We're gonna keep in touch. <laughs> so I You're- was thrilled um, to be able to bring you onto my podcast, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Um. Let's start off with these three questions that I ask everyone. And I sort of just always clump them together because the answer to each question sort of bleeds across the other questions. Um, mm-hmm. So the three questions that we'll start off with are, who are you? Um, what do you do? What is your work? And why do you do it? Awesome. Thanks. I, Whenever someone asks me, like, who are you? I get this crisis immediately. <laughs> just by asking like who am I you know especially like when it comes to the work that I do but to start off with here I'm Sheila Pilago you can call me Sheila I mean you call me everyone calls me Sheila at work they try to call me in different names because I have two names it's like Sheila May but then they say Sheila Marie Sheila they just like ruined the second name (laughs) so I've learned to cut it off and I just said just call me Sheila it's all good. So I'm Sheila. I'm from the Philippines. I've been a VA for about uh, eight years now. And my specialty are usually, it's a funny story because this inclination that I had when I was, uh, I wanted to be a healthcare professional earlier before I started working. And financially, we couldn't do it. So I think I like to use the word, it bled out in my career now as a VA because I've been, I started out as a VA, as a, sorry, as a SEO content writer for healthcare companies. And I think, I don't know why my managers at the time, they kept sending me different stuff like for accountancy, for, for um, general services, all the other industries, but they saw that my writing was really stellar in the healthcare industry. I kind of, it kind of like snowballed from there. So I received um, healthcare articles. I got into healthcare related uh, co- companies, whether it's alternative or, you know, um, they say it's, they call it, uh, what do you call it? Sorry. Um, there's another, there's another term, they're primary care, sorry, primary care and okay. alternative um, medicine and all that stuff. So I just went from, all this and I really enjoyed it honestly I did not I started off when as a teacher actually sorry if I may backtrack a little bit so yeah. I started off as an English teacher as an English teacher and then I lost my voice due to chronic laryngitis for using my voice too much 
after eight months in teaching and I told myself, geez, what work can I do that doesn't require voice? And my second passion was writing. And that's where my SEO content writing journey started. At the time, there was no such word as SEO. Like I had no clue, like 10 years back, no SEO. They just said, put these keywords into these blogs. And I think that at the time it was called keyword stuffing, which is not applicable now. <laughs> so I kind of like, yeah, snowballed into it really. And then when I learned about SEO content writing, that kind of like opened my world to digital marketing. Like, oh, there's so many opportunities that I can explore. So from there, I ventured out to doing courses in graphic design and SEO and um, uh, deep diving into SEO, deep diving into social media. Um, and of course, in social media, they're like, it's a rabbit hole, like social media platforms <laughs> that you have to understand. And I think, I guess I kept doing right now, I'm currently marketing, I'm a marketing project manager for a company, uh, Thrive Academy. They're, uh, they're huge. They've been doing, they've been in the industry of teaching coaches uh, for about 20 years now. So being part of this big organization has been uh, whirlwind, like I, I could say, I've I just to sit every day virtually with a seven-figure CEO is just like really exhilarating to keep up with her thinking process and all. I think that's why um, right now being in the, I, th I guess I've moved from healthcare to education, so I think that those things kind of like. Um, mix with each other very well or go hand in hand sometimes virtually so yeah I, th I really enjoyed it like just being with these people having these great ideas oh what if this because in marketing it's always you know um trial and error you don't know what could work today or what could work tomorrow and i think i'd like to point out ai here like ai i think just made my work extra more intense <laughs> Because it really leveled up the game when it comes to marketing. How do you, yes, you can use AI as tools, but at the same time, people are have become more perceptive. They've become more sensitive to like clickbait mm -hmm. stuff. So I think that's, so far, that's been a very, very, very interesting journey right now. <laughs> totally. I want to... Um... Let's talk more about the AI stuff. But before we go there, I also just want to mm -hmm. ask, like, tell us why, sure. like, you sort of walked through the journey of, like, how you got here. Tell me mm -hmm. why you made the decision to, like, besides having to do something that you didn't have to use your voice all the time. How did you make <laughs> the decision to work for yourself? Oh, yeah. Um, I was lucky at the time. So I got that diagnosis, right? And... Of course, I think as a breadwinner, I was also at the point where I'm like, um, should I keep working like nine to five? I know the stress. And I felt already, I think halfway through, I enjoyed teaching. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed teaching children and all that. But I felt like I wanted to do, my, my parents actually gave me this one month window. They call it a gap year. But in Asia, we just have this, I was lucky to have a month gap, a gap month. <laughs> So they were like, say, you know what, try to figure yourself out. Uh, my my mom specifically, she's she was very 
she sat me down and said, well, give, don't worry about finances for like a month and think of what you want to do for the next 10 years of your life or even 20 years, like something that you would really enjoy. Because I think that's their frustration when they were younger. Like my, my dad and my mom were not able to really do what they actually want to do. Like, for example, my mom wanted to be in the events industry, but she stayed as in, in the, I don't know, it, it was a private company, a water private company. And my dad, too, is in the water industry department. And they and my dad wanted to be a lawyer. So I think they really wanted me early on, even if we're financially um incapable at that time they said one thing that would really that we would really like you to do is to find something you would love to do and i said okay and this is what i tell my the 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 vas also that i work with or people who also reach out to me like how do i start to be a va it's like you really have to find something you would like to do like really happy to do because working for yourself working independently working remotely takes a lot of effort let's say mental effort and just to like motivating yourself and if you don't like the work that you're gonna do that's like 10x you know 10x work for you that's the stress the physical stress will come and all that stuff so I think going back I had that month uh, the gap month where I thought okay my next best thing that I don't have to use my voice for is writing and writing for me ever since I was young, it was very, my mom always says, you can write in your sleep. You enjoy writing so much. So why don't you start there? So I was like, I wasn't really confident. I thought writing for fun. And then I started out to look for opportunities online. And then I had this, um, a few of my colleagues who were already in the writing business, they said, hey, we're looking for content writers. Do you want to join in? And that's where I said, okay. And it just, I was able to write like six articles a day wonderfully, like no stress at all, especially it was in healthcare. So research and writing was like, oh, I could do this. I think I could do this. This is like, you know, I was just um, playing when I'm writing. Like I could finish like 500 words or 750 words easily with enough reading, of course. Like I just read through a few blog articles and here and there. So that's one thing. And I th- again, it snowballed from there. When I learned about SEO and I was like, oh, shoot, this is actually a career. This is like people actually, I mean, clients actually need help on this one. Or like in social media, you need social media copywriting. You need, you know, copy for, let's say, the back end of, S- you know, the blog articles, even those things, those technical things. It will take time. We'll take time to understand. We'll need dedication and commitment. But otherwise, I think it really roots from enjoying. Like I just enjoy writing. If you don't enjoy for for your for the listeners in this episode, if you're not, of course, I don't really expect you to enjoy writing. Like it's not everybody's cup of tea. But if, for example, if you write, if you enjoy, I, I have this one VA. He was having this imposter syndrome was like, I don't know if I'm good at um, graphic design, but he enjoys graphic design. Mm-hmm. And now he's earning six figures a month. And I just, just keep at it. You see, like it's because you're enjoying, you won't even notice that your bank is, your bank account is like increasing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was very, he was very thankful that he, yeah. 
I love that so much. I think that a lot of us, I think it comes from all different places. I think there are definitely some people who end up working for themselves because they're like, I want to love what I do. And there are some people that end up doing it because they're like, I want the flexibility, whatever that means for them. Some people do it because they want the money. Um, And I think that the people that I see, like you said, I think the staying power, like the people who are like um, working for yourself really works is when you find that you have to, you're super clear about what it gives you, whether it's like something. And I think the like, doing something you love is like always part of that and then you're like checking other boxes about like it's paying it's like i get x number of dollars a month or i have this type of flexibility and like where where i work or how i work or who i work for um but i don't know if i think that's like a really powerful thing for your parents to have said that because it's like you don't always go into it with that mindset. Sometimes you're going into it because c- you're just like, oh, I just need to find a job to pay the bills. You don't always get to frame it around like I get to do I get to go pick something and do what I love. Correct. And especially coming in the OK, I'm from the East, like Asian country, like think Asian, like parents. <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm stereotyping. I don't mean to, but it's just reality that, you know, Asian parents are always like how much do you earn it's always there's always that pressure especially like for the eldest children (laughs) Asian parents would like hear this and say what but yeah they would agree to me that you know we need to find I mean I'd be a hypocrite to say that we don't want money I mean it's how we survive but it's um and sometimes from the Asian perspective of virtual assistants when you say when you tell us you can do what you love, it's almost alien to us. Like, no, that's not how it works here. We always have to find the job that, you know, that pays more. And actually, nowadays in 2023, you can actually do the job that you like and it actually pays a lot too. Mm-hmm. And that's possible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's living the dream, right? Like that's like the that's like the the sweet spot where you're like, if you're tr- like, I think what you said, like the snowballing or it's like you find this thing that you like and you like start following that trail. And then eventually uh, you're learning new things. You're picking up different things. You're gaining more confidence and authority and like what you're doing and how do you talk to people about it? And who do you do it for? Um, and then things sort of like start falling into place um, with with like sort of, again, like checking those different boxes. Um <laughs> I'm curious. So you run a podcast called the Rockstar VA podcast. And how did you like you're obviously like a VA, you know, I don't think that everyone that runs a podcast also has like, you know, a quote unquote day job. Most of us do if you run a if you run a small podcast like mine. But um, what is it like? What made you want to? What made you passionate about starting that and being able to have those kinds of conversations about the world of the VA and Mm -hmm. speaking to some of the issues that you talk about on your podcast? Awesome. I think it, I started helping out business owners do their own podcast since 2016. That's actually been something I've been doing. And in 2020, we were stuck at home and I was 
starting to feel a bit like I want to talk. Like I still want to talk to people. I know I talk to my clients and all that stuff, but uh, more and more people, I think that time, you know, when the COVID started, everyone was asking, like, how can I find a job? How can I get a job online? How can I, they were scrambling. Like I've never had that much messaging in my inbox in LinkedIn or on Instagram or on Facebook that much, that period of time. And I think that kind of like really inspired me to like push that podcast because I was a former teacher, like I mentioned. And I think I was like, okay, I have enough VA experience. I have, I know usually, sorry, I, I usually know, I usually know where to find my clients. And that's very, that's very important. I keep stressing them out that, you know, there's so many things, but I know where to find my clients. I've never actually, thankfully, I've never run out of clients. I've never had any like gap where I don't work. So I have this confidence and I said, I should, I can start a podcast. I produce other people's podcasts. Why can't I? So with enough planning, it took me like about three, four months to plan the whole thing. It's like, am I ready? Uh, my, my, you know, everything, all this um, brainstorming, how can I go about it? The frequency and all that. Until now, I'm still experimenting on the frequency. I've been told to do one podcast a week. It's up to, you know, do daily podcasts. And I'm like, that's insane. I cannot do a daily podcast for now, but I think I can do like a weekly podcast. So all that stuff in the back in the background, I said, okay, let's push in on my 28th birthday. And I pushed it out on the same. So I don't forget the anniversary. I just launched it on the same day I was born. So that's where it all started. I think it's the people who actually reached out to me family friends who wanted a remote work who wanted and I, I I don't not necessarily like they don't ask me like how you know how do I you know where do I get these clients it's usually how do I start mm-hmm. it's you know beginning these beginning the starting steps for them often is very uh intimidating because it's change from real world to virtual like how can it be different or, or Usually the mindset from where I'm from um, in Asia is like, you know, how do I put myself out there competing with everyone else in the world? Mm-hmm. Like, I know I've always been, it's so funny. This is like this common conversation that I just want to quickly share. It's a common conversation among them. It's like, I'm just this. And I, I used to just compete with the people, let's say in Cebu, where I'm from, it's just very small island like you could finish my island if you drive my uh, my island from north to south you could finish it three hours three to four hours tops it's a very small island and they you usually think oh i'm just competing with people within this island now you're telling me to compete with the entire world that's not right that's not possible <laughs> and i just thought that easing them in like leading the way like hey if i could do it and not necessarily compete with all of them but just to showcase yourself this way and be authentic this way you can make it happen too if i did it you can and i think that really and i'm so glad like every i know my podcast is like you know humble like still humble at its and you know it's 3 years old but it's really just has stayed authentic when it comes to messaging 
and all that stuff. And people come to me, VAs, either my age or even older than me. And then they just say, you know what? I found a client just by changing the messaging that I, mm-hmm. you know, that I approach to them. And that to me is just like, oh, wow, this is just like one tick to the box for me for the podcast. I, I just, yeah, that's, that's, that's been a really great. I love it. Tell me, tell me what you think. Um, what do you think is the biggest misperception that people have about VAs? Ooh, so I think this is quite subjective in a way because I'm coming from the east side of things. And I don't know, maybe maybe I, I have audience from all over the world, from Netherlands, from Germany, which is like, what? How are you relating to my to my messaging? But they do. They they reach out to me and then all that stuff. But I think the mis miss uh, the main uh, they're usually confused. Okay. Like, what is what do you actually do? Like, are you admin? Are you are you a marketing person? Are you a certified? Do you have a bachelor's degree in marketing? Do you all these things like um, still on a client's perspective? There's still um, some of them are still um, still um, on the rocks when it comes to should I find or should I hire a VA for my for my um, business? But from the VA side of things, it's usually how do I present myself out there as a VA? I've, I've, for example, I've worked in the real world for 15 years, but now I'm shifting. I feel like I'm starting all over again. And I said, no, you actually, you don't have to. So there are these like um, shift, the shift itself, the change is super uncomfortable for them. And I think it's just a matter of, you know, marinating them into this virtual thing because the internet can be intimidating. Mm-hmm. The internet can be, you know, harsh. So I just, when it comes to my episodes, I usually address the things that are, I'm, I don't usually, if you notice, it's I don't usually answer the what and the where and the when. I usually answer way more uh, deeper things like the why and the how because these things sometimes like I know it's not very practical sometimes <laughs> they think that why why can't you just say you know what are the online because these things you can find on Google mm-hmm. if you ask Google like what are the websites to find online jobs Google can give it all to you but to give you why you can do it and how you can do it, starting your messaging, for example, the resume, shifting your resume to a VA's resume, that could completely, like, it's a game changer. So all those things. I hope I, I answered your question. <laughs> no, it's perfect. I love um, that, like, the, and you started with this in the beginning about the, like, doing something that you love. And usually when I'm when I'm coaching people, freelancers, including VAs, mm-hmm. I'm always starting with people about like, what, like, what do you want to be doing? What do you want? What do you want out of your business? What do you want? Like, what does your life need to get out of your business? And the why Mm -hmm. I think is something that is super important because, and another one of those things that I think people don't always go into it thinking in the beginning, right? They always want to know the, um, the what, and they always want to know that the how, but you're if you don't if you're not really starting with like well why do you want to do this what do you want to get out of it 
um, then all those other pieces don't actually like get you where you need to go. Right. Um, and so I think that's a super, I think that's super important framing for folks to think about what, whatever type of freelancing work you're thinking about. Um, one of the, so let's circle back on the AI stuff. Cause I know we wanted to touch (laughs) on that a little bit more. Tell me about how, I want to, I'm curious about a, how you've seen it, if like interacting and affecting your work. And I'm also mm-hmm. curious about like what you've heard from your audience and the other folks that you're in your network about um, how it's impacting their work or even what their like perceived fears are, are mm-hmm. about AI. Cool. I, I could like talk to you about this in like a series of episodes <laughs> if, if I may, but you know, um, in general, like how actually my my husband asked me a few days back, I can start with that story where he she's like, because he likes reading these um, news every now and then. And then he's like, are you, you're a virtual assistant, you live in the virtual world. Are you scared of AI? Or how do you feel about AI? And I completely said, I'm actually not scared of it. Not because I don't I know how it works and I know what else it can do. It's just how I see it from, at least from my perspective as a experienced VA, is that I know it can help me. I know it can support me in a lot of things like copywriting. I can it support me with graphics. It can help me optimize a lot of things that I tediously do or my team members used to tediously do and work on day, days on end just to finish and craft a really good thing. And he's like, do you think it will replace you soon? You know, even, and I, and I was confident to say, actually, no, it doesn't because I think the right, I think, I don't know. People might disagree with me on this one, but I think I, I told him that people who don't use AI or people who use AI will replace people who use it. And I learned that earlier on when this AI, when ChatGPT was like, you know, starting to creep up. And I don't know why. I never actually, when I, for example, with content writing, I talked to this, um, I spoke with a few content writers and I asked them to integrate ChatGPT, for example, into their work. I think two of them got a little, like, let's say, off-put that I am pro-AI. And then two of them were like, sure, just give me the guidelines of what you want or what the prompts that you'd want me to use. And I say, oh, wow. So this is like a classic example of how set B, the ones who actually use ChatGPT, will have more projects than the ones who don't because they... Just the thought, like, you haven't even tried it yet. You, you haven't even let me finish that. You just need to integrate it, and I'll I'll give you more projects. Actually, I can give you more projects, or this client can give you more projects because she knows that you're working closely or you're working closely with ChatGPT. And that, although there's a conception, there's a perception of business owners that, oh, you can do this faster now because you have ChatGPT. But actually, again, it's setting the expectations to the client like hey for example we're doing a medical article we can produce this in five minutes but again it's it's 
text related for now. It's not very, it can shoot false things. And in the medical field, we need to be accurate. So we have to run this with a proof editor to fact check and cross checking. And that still takes time. And when we, when we say cross, sorry, fact checking, we need to align this to your business, you know, the, the pricing and all that stuff. So it's really just a matter of messaging or sending, setting the expectations to the clients like, hey, this is how we can use AI and these are the limitations for now. And this is the time frame. And with that, it gives them that, that kind of like assurance that, okay, you're working closely with ChatGPT. You're using the tools that most people nowadays are using. I'm confident. So these two, like the set B content writers got more of the projects. And then the set A, the ones who didn't just left the, the workspace. So I'm like, yeah, that's that was a good example of how AI affected the work environment. But um, yeah, that's all so far I can think of. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I think with all types of like disruptive innovations like that, that there's there's obviously like um there's always going to be like ethical implications. There's always going to be um workforce implications. There's always going to be like pros and cons. Um, and so I'm not like, I guess I don't necessarily have like a very strong opinion about like pro AI versus anti AI. I think my opinion <laughs> is always like with innovation like that, you can try, you can be scared of it and like run away from it or like pretend it's not there or like try to work around it. And I think what you're saying is, which I totally agree with is like, it's not going away. Like you're going to have, you, if you want to pretend it's not there and not use it in your business, then you're going to be behind the people that are. Um, <laughs> and so it's, it, I think with all things um, like that, it's being able to adjust to change because change is inevitable. It's always going to happen. Right. Things are always going to change. You yeah. like as a business owner, you should be able to always think about how to adjust and pivot, like constantly be thinking about how to adjust your business to the new market, to not just like the external factors of the market, but like some of the other things that we've been talking about already about like when your life changes and like you need something different, you need more money or you need more time or you need more flexibility. Like how do you have a business that's nimble enough to be able to adjust those things all the time? Um, because yeah. that's the only way that it's going to survive, right? Both in again I, internally and externally. Um, totally, yeah. And I think you know, um, I've been asked last time, "What is your edge against AI?" Like, oh, that is strong. I don't know who asked me that question, but I guess I have this. Um, I have this um, VA in the Philippines too, and she's like a nerd. It's like we're we geek about we geek about a lot of things when it comes to freelancing. And clients, and then she's like, and she's a content writer, and she's she feels like fifty-fifty mm, with AI, and she's like, what do you think would be your advantage against AI? And I was like, easy, like that is a very like, easy. It's communication. This is where you will ring best to your clients if you reach out to them, because AI will never reach out to them, <laughs> at least not like how Alexa does. But <laughs> you know, you you know, you know, these AI assistants, for example, they just wait. A prompt mm -hmm. they wait a prompt you're not a robot so you reach out to your clients you you communicate to them you give them updates give them reports as much as possible and they were like 
And she was like, yeah, you're right. Correct. And I said, yeah. So don't worry. Like it's, it's really nothing to be scared of. It's, it's just something you need to integrate yourself and make sure that you remain ethical at the end of the day when it comes to like, uh, yeah, workflows and all that. Totally. Um, well, I think that's a great place to end us. Um, I appreciate you so much and I'm so glad that you. you were, I'm so glad that we could have this conversation. We will, um, make sure to link to, um, your podcast and anywhere else you want us to link to. And, um, yeah, just thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me.